Thanks so much to Grammarly for supporting the Apple Bits XL podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash AppleBits with a Z to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. It is episode 63, and oh, my goodness, big news this week. It's going to be obviously about Qualcomm and Apple just out of nowhere settling their dispute after a long two-year beef that has finally come to a conclusion. We'll talk about that, but this show, again, is all about you. Call in. Call in the show already. 833-888-ABXL. We'd love to hear from you, your name, where you're from, your thoughts, specifically on the stuff that we talk about or other bigger Apple issues. 833-888-2295. Also, we're starting to get them all really through our Show at gmail.com. That's AppleBits with a Z, show at gmail.com. You can just send a memo that way. And what's also important is that the call hotline costs money to run. So, If you guys aren't calling, I'm just going to shift over to these voice memos, and honestly, they sound a whole lot better, so feel free to just really be a part of the show. You can also support us at patreon.com slash Tong. That is how you get a completely ad-free version of the show, patreon.com slash Tong, starting at $2. If you think we're worth a cup of coffee, that's $5. We go up in levels. There's different perks and rewards all the way to the platinum $100 level, but thank you for supporting this show. But we're going to get really right into it. I have a special guest with me, our own, we just call him our own senior legal correspondent. So let's just jump into, first up, the big news of the week, Apple and Qualcomm. The beef has been squashed. All right, everybody, a special guest, like I said, Apple Bits XL senior legal correspondent, Gil Cabrera in the house. Gil, what's up, buddy? What's happening, Brian? Oh, man. So thanks for dropping in and kind of you know, dissecting some of what happened. I'm just going to go through a few bullet points and then we'll talk about it and get into more detail. But the big news, really the big, big news and the big story this week is that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Apple and Qualcomm have decided to drop all lawsuits in truly a surprise settlement between the two for an undisclosed amount. Uh, So all this legal battle that's been going between them for the past two years, that has been squashed. We already have our ideas of why it happened. And then the crazy thing is just a couple hours after they had squashed, you know, all of their beef, Intel came out with a public statement that said it will be exiting the 5G phone business. Coincident that wasn't a coincidence at all. So, Gil, I'm gonna kind of first start off with the whole Apple and Qualcomm proceedings. You obviously have been following it as well as you know, as well. We've been kind of filling in people here on the show. What was your kind of first reaction and maybe your gut reaction of, huh, wh- how did this all of a sudden just go down out of nowhere? Well, I, I do think the Intel 5G uh, move was probably uh, probably accelerated the discussions. Now, when, you know, when you're in litigation, there are a lot of points in time where uh, there are settlement uh, opportunities. Right before trial is one of them. Just as the trial starts is another one. You now have your jury. You know, you know who you're looking at in terms of a jury pool. Um, you can sort of 
uh, trials like this, they're going to have jury consultants watching the jury like hawks as the opening statements are going on. So all of that was probably feeding into a attempt to resolve it. And I'm sure they have been talking about it throughout the time period. Um, and then my, <laughs> my guess is that uh, Apple received word from Intel that they were going to exit the space uh, as a customer uh, before it went public. And that might have moved things along uh, dramatically. See, so I, I kind of find um, one of those things interesting. First of all, is it actually normal for a case to actually get settled during the opening statements? Or does it typically get settled before opening statements even happen, right? Because they've been, they'll be wrangling everyone in. Everyone is has their butts in their seats and they're watching these proceedings. But is that a normal thing even or is that a little abnormal? No, it, it happens. I mean, it, again, you, you sort of it, it can happen at any moment. The lawyers are usually always talking. There's always some line of communication uh, for potential settlement. Um, you know, usually it happens before uh, the trial. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's the classic on the courthouse steps. You know, I've had I've had matters where we're literally walking up the courthouse steps and we <laughs> and we somebody finally sort of concedes something and we're like, all right, well, let's let's just tell the judge we're, we're done then. Um, so it happens. It can happen at any stage in the middle of opening statements is um, I mean, at that point, you're somewhat committed, uh, but it has happened. And, and sometimes you sort of get a sense that either the opening didn't go well, the jury just seems to be unresponsive to, to to what your points are, even at that early stage, which is a dangerous thing because, uh, you know, I've had jurors that I think are 100% with me the entire mm -hmm. trial. And then when we did the post-trial interview, turns out the one juror I thought loved me was leading the charge against me. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's much more art than science for sure. Gil, did you bring chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> I should have. I should have. I should have. That's clearly where, where it all went wrong. Um, The other thing that was interesting that you mentioned is that no one really exactly knows when this flipped. Was it Intel that gave Apple the word for us or because Apple saw the pattern that had been happening with Intel? Now, I know that you feel like maybe Intel gave them the cue. I, I honestly don't really know, but part of me, and there's no right or wrong answer right now because we don't know this. Yeah, we're but just I, I, Yeah, we're just, <laughs> we're all guessing. Everyone is guessing that that is like put out their two cents about it. But I, something Part of it tells me that because we had already heard these rumors about Intel being slow on deadlines, that Apple may have pulled the plug because they knew that they just weren't going to be able to deliver the chips in time. And the biggest thing is that, you know, we already know that no matter what happened in this case, Apple was not going to have a 5G phone ready for 2019. That's I mean, they would have had to have the chips ready to go already in the phones at the beginning of this year to know that it would be in their phones. So that wasn't going to change that. But could you imagine, and I obviously Apple factored this in, if they didn't bring 5G to the table until 2021 because of this, because of everything that happened, whether Intel wasn't able to deliver, then all of a sudden they their beef with Qualcomm is still hot and alive and they just had nowhere to go. Oh, no, I, it's, it's funny. I, I had one of those moments yesterday of sort of kicking myself because uh, the trial is, was here in San Diego. And so we were very aware of it happening. It's, you know, it's in a judge. Uh, it, it actually, it, it's in the same judge's courtroom that was made famous by the, the president during the campaign, Judge Curiel. <laughs> and um, and so, I, you know, I was very aware of it. And in the, in the morning, uh, you know, having 
uh, followed the whole problems that they're having with 5G modems in the morning, I was thinking, gosh, you know, I, I, I was about to tweet something like this litigation is so stupid. These are two companies that should absolutely be working together. And how how prescient would I have looked? <laughs> and I actually sent that damn thing out. So it was one of those, you know, moments, but I thought it's crazy, right? I mean, this is, you know, impacting Apple's ability to compete mm-hmm. because they're in this this fight. Um, and, you know, clearly they felt strongly about it. But what often happens with this litig- with litigation is you when you go into it, you think, all right, this is going to settle down. Uh, we're going to come to our senses and the business folks are going to take over. And unfortunately, sometimes it gets a, mi- a, a, a sort of mind of its own and just keeps rolling and expanding and getting crazier and crazier. Um, and it really takes either, you know, the lawyers or uh, more often the clients to just sit down and say, this is insane. Um, these two companies don't have the usual pressures of money, right? Most of the time, it's how much you're spending that is going to make you come to your senses. That's not a problem for Qualcomm or Apple. Uh, but maybe it was Apple's sort of long-term ability to compete on, in the iPhone market that finally made the difference. I mean, I got to imagine they've been hearing the buzz publicly and in the media of how from an innovation standpoint, they're slipping behind. And look, this was a biz- this was a business decision for both sides. I'm sure Qualcomm made a nice little hefty sum out of this and, you know, royalties in the future. But Apple just, it would be so, so bad if an iPhone didn't get 5G until 2021. I know it's already, right now, sure, it's a little too early. But 2020, by that time, 5G will be out for about a year and a half. They'll figure it out. And if Apple isn't one of those players, it... I mean, that, that's one of those, I'm not going to say it's going to kill the company, but it would definitely take a big chunk out of their business. I think 2020 is probably what would would be normal timing for Apple, right? Apple's mm-hmm. always a year or so behind when everybody else comes up with the new standard. So I, I think 20 was always probably what they were heading for. And you're right. I mean, with all the public reports we were getting that Intel was missing deadlines, you know, Apple was getting much more detailed reports that were freaking them out about <laughs> what they're doing i mean even you you even had huawei sitting there saying hey you know maybe we can provide yep. you a 5g modem that's that's crazy uh when when you're when you're dealing with that the other thing by the way is i mean the the collapse of intel in this space is fascinating right you you have this you know marquee american chip manufacturer that should have been cutting edge here mm-hmm. and they've just you know gotten their butts kicked by just about everybody i mean they're exiting an entire space even even just um you know intel's been honestly behind from the mobile standpoint right they don't provide they could have this happened years ago they never really were able to make inroads from a processor standpoint for mobile and now yeah. they're trying to pursue 5g modems and that didn't work out and look if apple was their number one client that and all of a sudden, Apple pulls out. Yeah, they're going to have to pull out. It makes no sense because what they're going to produce and put in research and development for are these five G modems that no one wants. And I, you know, right when it happened, the thing that I put out there and tweeted was that this is a win for consumers because bottom line, Qualcomm makes a superior modem compared to the Intel modems. There have been uh, we've talked about it on this show oh, many yeah, times. Absolutely, yeah. No, yeah. I was excited because I know that you you've experienced the Qualcomm modem. I never have, <laughs> so I was always, <laughs> I, you know, I've always been complaining a little bit about our modem. And, and for me, I'm a San Diego and Qualcomm's a local company. Yep, so yep, yep. They're it's a big right deal. Big deal for San Diego. It was in our local press all over the place, and it really puts them in a pretty good place. Now, there is an FTC matter yes. pending against um, uh, Qualcomm, and it's Judge Coe up in the Bay Area. And she's, you know, that trial's over. She's just, we're just waiting for a ruling from her. 
Um, so that'll be interesting. You could you could potentially see um, settlement discussions going on between the FTC and Qualcomm as well, um, depending on on you know how Qualcomm is feeling. You know, it sort it sort of goes back and forth, right? If if Qualcomm truly had the upper hand against Apple, which I think we both think they did, yeah. Um, you know that that settlement may not actually help them with the FTC because it just sort of actually increased their market leverage, which is the which is the problem the FTC and you know all the competitors have had with Qualcomm. Yeah, just for people that aren't familiar with it, um, Qualcomm. So I'll kind of break this down, but at least the case that um, Gil is referencing is Qualcomm was sued over their actual licensing practices and monopolistic behavior by regulators across the globe. It wasn't just in the U.S., but like you said, Judge Judy Co. They've already. They're just waiting for us to hear her decision. Correct. Correct. Yep. Yes. Word. So that and I checked the I checked the docket late yesterday afternoon just to double check, and it's still pending. So that's its own thing. The whole Apple and Qualcomm beef, just to kind of give people a little bit of historical reference, they've been fighting over this for basically the last two years, and it comes from two different sides. Uh, Qualcomm was Apple was accusing Qualcomm of charging on what they call unreasonably high fees for essential patents and using its position as the dominant supplier of smartphone modems to really demand these high prices. For Qualcomm, they're saying that Apple was violating some of their patents. Now, what was interesting about this is that Qualcomm actually managed to, when you say kind of get a a little gain or advantage on Apple, they put pressure on Apple because they won iPhone bans in Germany and China over those patent violations. And they even won uh, one of the lawsuits uh, in a small number of them on their patents in the U.S. So Qualcomm was gaining momentum and at least showing that, hey, uh, these aren't just a company that's saying, oh, these are unfounded patents that they violated. They were actually getting results at a consumer level. Um, when they won, when when those, uh, I guess, let's call them iPhone bans happened in China and Germany, from what we know, they weren't officially pulled off shelves at the moment, but they were in play. So Apple had to clearly be in the weaker position in in this situation for them to just because it feels like Apple's the one that settled with Qualcomm, right? Yeah, and the the irony of ironies, of course, is that Qualcomm's dominance here is because it has been innovating all these years. <laughs> and I mean, Qualcomm, you know, is has gone back a long way in the mobile space. It is their sweet spot. They continue to innovate, and what is happening is they innovate, they get a patent on their innovation, and then their innovation becomes the standard, mm-hmm. right? So, four G, three G, five G, those are all basically largely built on Qualcomm patents. And when your your patent becomes the standard, there's at least a practice out there, and it's not required, but it's and it's not legal, it's not by law, it's it's by agreement that if you have a standard essential patent, you're going to use something called FRAND, which is a fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory uh, approach to your licensing. So you're not going to gouge people because your standard that you have a patent on is now used by everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fight was really whether or not they were being fair and reasonable, and it's you know it's a balance. I mean. Qualcomm's got to, and any innovator has got to want to benefit from the fact that, hey, we we invented this. This is ours. We have a patent on it, and we should be able to profit from it. Uh, at the same time, there's the balance of whether or not you're gouging, if you will, um, everybody that now has to use your licenses. And that's why Qualcomm has come under such fire from regulators sort of across the globe, because so many of their patents are now tied to these essential standards in the mobile communication space. And good for them. 
<laughs> honestly right? hey hey you know what right? apple put 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 some of your 100 billion into figuring out a way to get ahead of qualcomm on mobile tech and you can have this you can have this advantage you position. can also interest you know you know what i you know what's funny um someone threw out this idea of and not that it would happen but what if if intel's dissolving their 5g modem uh you know, division, and they've already done a lot of research, and I don't know what patents they have been able to acquire or not. What if Apple scooped up Intel's 5G modem division and then took it under their own and eventually just developed it? Because we had heard reports that Apple was trying to build their own phone modems. They had been trying to poach actual Qualcomm talent, build kind of a base down in San Diego to make it easier to do that. I'm just saying what if. I'm not saying it's happening, but it's kind of interesting. What What is going to happen to uh, Intel's division that was working on this? Yeah, well, it's interesting. It'll be it'll be up to Intel, and and who knows? You're right. Maybe maybe Apple will start going in that direction. I mean, it's the direction they've gone on almost every front, right? They're starting to make all their own uh, processors. They're starting to head in that direction generally, and if they want to control their destiny, uh, that might be the way to go. But again, they got to innovate, man. <laughs> you, you know, just because you got a, a 5G modem mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's going to be the best 5G modem. And if if the Qualcomm one continues to kick your butt. It's going to be a problem, and so uh, they clearly have that expertise. That's interesting about the um, the San Diego Apple campus uh, being related to that um, because they have, you know, they're they're bringing about what I think fifteen hundred jobs down here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're trying. They're absolutely trying. Um, the question that I have for you overall about this. Um, oh, you know what? Sorry, quick question that I had for you. Do you have a Verizon phone? Is that why you're not um, affected by the Qualcomm modem issue? No, I have an AT and T phone, but I oh. but I I had checked and remember they half of them were were Intel, half of them were Qualcomm at, at one point, and mine's definitely the Intel modem. I checked it at one point. Yep, yep. All right, so um, <laughs> I know good. Yeah, lucky lucky for you. So Yay. You know what, so anyways, <laughs> there's kind of like the wrap up of what happened with Qualcomm and Apple. Uh, Gil, thanks so much for chiming in and coming and really contributing to this because you're part of the community. I did want to ask you on the spot. Um, a question not related to the Apple Qualcomm. What do you think? Have you been reading about the Samsung Galaxy Fold stories and issues? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting, right? Um, and it's hilarious because I just you know all uh, clearly all everything started breaking uh, yesterday, I think, and uh, and I saw some of the pictures. It looks brutal, but I don't know how you didn't test for that. And, I, and Samsung seems to be pulling a little bit of an Apple and saying that there was some protective screen and you shouldn't remove that. And it's almost like w- blaming the reviewers, like yeah. subtly, but blaming the reviewers for breaking the phones, right? Like you're, I, you're peeling I, it wrong. Right, right. You're peeling off the, the, <laughs> the protective layer that we put on this so this crack wouldn't happen. Uh, but yeah, it was, that's it's, well, you know, hey, look, it's this is an early adopter product. I mean, Absolutely. there's just no way around that. It's too grand. Um, if it was a if it was in my ecosystem, I probably would have thought about it. Although it Me looks. Too. It looks thick. Have you held one? Yeah, it, it is. It is chunkier, but it's it's actually not as bad as you think. I think you know when it's folded up together. Yeah, I'm not used to a phone in that pocket. But if it really offered me enough benefits that I really enjoyed, then I would consider. I mean, like you said, if it was in the ecosystem, I would give it a chance. You know, yeah, no, me, no I absolutely, would absolutely me give it a chance. You know, and if it if it had some good, you know, UI that I'm like, hey, this is actually really cool. I I still love the idea and the concept. I think that. What I had said before, and we did a podcast of how is really just, um, just really se- almost celebrating the fact that they were pushing innovation because that's why we all are into this. We love tech, we love innovation, and whether it was Apple or Samsung, I'm happy they made made this. I don't want to actually see it fail. I don't think that Samsung's the type of company that they're going to 
even if this first generation technically isn't that great, maybe these reviews already put a black eye on the product, they're still going to make a second generation. Like Samsung is kind of relentless in that way. Oh. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll go like three generations deep until they can't. There was a time before the Galaxy was even the Galaxy. I kid you not, Samsung had maybe like 10 to 20 different types of phone models where I felt like they were just throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what stuck. And the Galaxy phone kind of rose to be that flagship phone. So, you know, I celebrate the fact that they're taking risks. It definitely looks really bad with what's happening with the screen. And the fact that it wasn't just a few reviewers, there were like smart people all peeled off the screen. Right. Right. Yep. It, well, cause it, I'm did. sure I'm sure it looked like that usual plastic cover you get, <laughs> like a protective plastic cover uh, that you get. Um, yeah, yeah. Samsung, you're, what you said about Samsung is right. I mean, th- this is the company that, you know, had phones literally blowing up in people's pockets, <laughs> banned from airplanes and did not change the name of the phone. Mm-hmm, they just mm-hmm, they just mm-hmm. plowed through mm-hmm. and said, ah, all right, well, the next one will be fine. Um, so I got a question for you. Yeah. So we're not going to get an, an, a Qualcomm modem in an Apple phone until 2020. Yes. So do you buy a 2019 Apple uh, iPhone? Uh, the camera has to be so mind blowing and they have to, and look, we also know that with iOS 13, they're going to bring a whole lot to the table, but I think because Apple has been pushing this, Oh, you know, new processor. If you bought a 2018 iPhone, like for example, I didn't upgrade to the 10s. I've made that very clear because it didn't offer enough benefits. I think if you bought a 10s and you have all the processing power to support whatever this new OS is potentially going to do. I'm giving them a lot of credit right now because they haven't really shown me much in the OS space in the past two years for the phone. Um, maybe it is worth the upgrade from that standpoint, but it's got to be really the only thing that they can really wow us on is the OS, this god awful looking camera patch on the back that it looks like they taped an Apple Watch to the rear side. <laughs> if, that, if that is it. It's got to be really compelling. The AR VR aspect won't be compelling enough for me. I I, I agree. I agree with you. It's got they got to they got to bring it for me to not wait because I have a ten just like mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. and so they've got to really bring some serious uh, impressiveness for me to actually think about not waiting until I at least get the better modem in in twenty. I mean, why wouldn't I at like, that point? And it's working fine. The ten is working fine. Like the reviewer side of me is without a doubt. I'll tell you, I'm going to get the phone, but I bought the ten S. I used it and I returned it because. Right. There was literally no perceivable benefit that made a difference. So if there is enough, yeah, as a reviewer, yes, I'm going to, but I would be honest, say like if, if this was me and I had a, and as a day-to-day driver, I'll, I'll let them try to impress me and see if they can do it. I hope, I really hope they can because two years, if I didn't upgrade an iPhone in two years, that would be crazy, but I will at least have it to review without a doubt. I think it'll be the first time for me ever going to more than Right, going two years without upgrading. Yeah, that's, I mean, what, that's I, what I, I feel I've, like too. Yeah, I've skipped a year, but I've I usually upgrade within two. Um, so I, I uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be very curious to see what happens. But this this adds a little bit of a, a little bit of hesitation to the equation mm-hmm, for me, mm-hmm. knowing that something significant, at least on on the internal capability of the phone, will be significantly better than the following year. So we'll see. I mean, quite honestly, if you from what we know of leaked rumors, it literally looks just like the same iPhone. With a, with an Apple Watch camera attached to the back and maybe slightly faster, but they don't need it to be faster. They're not even really using all the juice it has. They might as well put that ugly ass iPhone battery case on it too, just so you have a camel like iPhone I mean, with two humps on the back. Look, we we haven't really talked about this, but when they came out with the notch, everyone was like, Dear God. And Apple just said, Hey, hold my beer. 
<laughs> they, put, they decided to make, hey, if they accepted the notch, oh, they won't worry about this on the backside of your phone either. And you know what? Quite honestly, most people probably won't. But that oh. phone still has to give real benefits, right? You feel like Johnny Ives' uh, sensibilities have just gone out the window or I'm something. Te- I mean, I'm was, telling it, you. was it really SJ? I'm telling you. Everybody remember, back? You know, I'm telling you, like, we talked, we talked about in the show, the genius of their design is that. SJ told Johnny Ive, you can only, he laid down the parameters for Ive. He did, he didn't, he didn't say do whatever. The Apple iPhone battery case, come on, man. That's just ugly. Oh, no, no, that was that, crazy. That's, yeah. I mean, that's just no. And fine, people say the hump makes you hold it easier. Whatever makes you sleep at night. That's <laughs> no, nothing about that thing was nice. <laughs> nothing about, the only thing that was great about it was that it integrated with the phone a little better than other cases, yeah. and that was it. So when I see the notch and I see the camera in the rear, I'm like, do, do they not care anymore? That, that's yeah. how I feel. Do they just not care anymore? Because I was great because SJ also made him great. That's how I feel. And I think that at least historically right now that has proved itself out. But yeah. we'll see. I'm not saying he's a horrible designer. I'm just saying J- SJ helped take him to the next level and get, you know create that kind of cult lore around him. But I think that that's fading as well. Yeah, well, and if you if you've read any of the books about SJ, I mean, the the reality is, he was, the, you know, it was it was both bad and good, right? He was a crazy micromanager mm-hmm. on design, mm-hmm. but look, he also was in charge when some of the most beautiful designs ever came out. I mean, that says something, and you know, we're moving away from that. Yep. We are. Yeah. Gil, you yeah. and I are just going to hug each other or hold each other and cry again. <laughs> it seems like we always, I seem like at the end of our conversations, we both get to that point. Like, just hold me. Just hold me, damn it. We miss, we miss you, SJ. <laughs> <laughs> and all, and all, the, all the young listeners are like, oh, here we go again. But you know what? It's the truth. That's why we talk about it. And this is from two oh heavy Apple fanboys. I mean, give me a break. We, we, I still buy all the damn products. I love how I get mercifully merc- like, mercilessly accused of being such like a apple hater i'm like you just have no idea you have no idea yeah yeah big fans here all right bro great talking to you thank you so much gil uh we'll have you on another time um ladies and gentlemen boys and girls senior legal correspondent for the apple bits xl gil cabrera take care All right. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting our podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top pros, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. Now, Grammarly, if you don't know, it's a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter. So you can start off this year by improving yourself and your communication at school, work, and almost anywhere else with Grammarly. It's available across platforms, including your online browser, extension, a desktop editor, and a mobile keyboard checker. Some of the key features, well, Grammarly is available on multiple browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Edge, and all platforms, iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, and the free product reviews critical spelling and grammar. Now, the premium version of Grammarly looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation structure, style with context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions, whether it's a business proposal or academic essay and trust me i know i need all of the above now you can stop making email typos on your phone close more deals at work this year with your emails and polish your resume to get that new job grammarly is going to help you accomplish that now i actually installed the plugin on my browser 
And what I found, which was awesome, is it literally worked instantly, whether it was um, with my email client, on Twitter, on um, on YouTube comments. Like Grammarly, they underlined the stuff that clearly wasn't grammatically correct and uh, suggested the other solutions. So think of like a spell check with grammar check on steroids. That's really what Grammarly is. So you also have the premium account and there's some cool things in there. Punctuation and contextual spell checker was cool. There's also plagiarism detection. So you can't really get away with copying that report and it still works across the web. So go to Grammarly.com slash AppleBits to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash AppleBits with a Z for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. everybody look when i put that song in there it it means something so qualcomm and apple congratulations for settling your beef over the mighty dollar because capitalism is beautiful and business is beautiful but you know what's also beautiful i had to throw this one in here to stick along with the theme of the show google and amazon have also ended their redonkulous streaming video beef as well now this was historically started a while ago where I think it was like, I don't know, maybe it feels like two or three years ago where Amazon declined to sell Google Chromecast devices because it was competing with the Fire TV products. Um, Amazon didn't include support for Google Cast in the Prime Video app as well. So pretty much it made it impossible at the time to get Prime Video on bigger screens. Last year, though, there was kind of a mea culpa. Everyone's like, hey, maybe this is going to work out. Google's Chromecast devices started selling on Amazon again. So like, okay, maybe this is shaping up because really what happened, the drastic measures that they took after Amazon wouldn't sell the Google's Chromecast is that YouTube, right? Just the biggest video platform in the world. The YouTube app was pulled from Amazon's Fire TV products in late 2017. And then the Amazon Prime Video app hasn't worked with Google's Chromecast like we talked about before, but there's good news now. They have. It looks like they have settled their beef. YouTube will be available on Amazon's Fire TV devices in the next few months. Amazon Prime Video will work with Chromecast and Android TV as well. All is well. Now, this is going to really only apply to Fire TV devices. Um, there's still no plans for an official YouTube app for the Echo Show. I know it's kind of... Okay, I'll make it semi-related. Apple streaming service most likely to be available on some of those products. Yeah, the Fire TV products. That's that's how we tie this all in. (laughs) So maybe you'll be able to Chromecast your Apple Plus service from your Fire TV to your TV. That's how we tied it to Apple. But it's just all all in keeping in line with this, you know, companies coming together for the greater good of not the consumer, but business. All right, some iOS 13 news coming out. We've heard some of this stuff, so it may not necessarily be completely groundbreaking, but 9to5Mac profiling some of what to expect from iOS 13 since we haven't touched upon this for a while. Dark mode, the long-awaited dark mode will be finally coming to the iPhone and iPad. 
This is all, you know, some of the discoveries from Gielherm Rambo. There will be a system-wide dark mode that'll be able to be enabled in the settings. I think right now, if I recall right, you kind of had to go into the accessibility settings and change the contrast if you wanted anything similar to that. The thing is that also with iOS 13 coming out, macOS iPad apps um, that we're talking about running on the Mac now, the Marzipan developer platform, that is going to allow apps developed to also work on both iOS and macOS. That's kind of their gradual transition as they're moving towards that, being able to have the interoperability of apps to work on all platforms, which is smart. There's also a lot of iPad iOS changes. For example, apps having the ability to have multiple windows. So each window will be able to contain sheets that are initially attached to a portion of the screen, but can be detached as well. It's similar to an open source project called Panel Kit. So think of like how you can use multiple tabs on a web browser coming to other apps in iOS 13. Also, there's going to be an undo gesture. Currently, it requires physically shaking the device, which may not be the most efficient. Although, shake to undo is, I would say it's kind of a little underrated. The gesture itself will start as a three-finger tap on the keyboard area, and then you can slide left or right, allowing you to undo and redo the actions interactively. Very cool. There will be Safari improvements as well. Maybe you've run into the problem where you're launching Safari on your iPad, and it goes directly to like the mobile version of the website like made for the iPhone, which totally sucks. That's going to be remedied. And also font management is going to get a major upgrade in iOS 13. So now it just won't be necessary to install a profile to get new fonts into the system anymore. So there'll be a new font management system. The mail app is going to get a whole lot smarter for the first time. Uh, The upgraded app is going to really be able to organize messages into categories such as marketing or purchases or travel or not important. So you have a lot more kind of built-in organization. It kind of reminds me similar to what a lot of these uh, billing or financial tracking apps are doing where they automatically help you and categorize some of your finances or your expenses. They're going to be almost applying the same concept to the mail app, which is really cool. Steve Trown Smith, he does a lot of this digging uh, for 9 to 5 Mac. So he's also found this this really report is broken down by them, like I said before. Other ways to bring easy collaboration to third-party document-based apps, similar to kind of how Pages, Numbers, and Keynote work, they're going to open up that API for developers. And a new focus on productivity with iOS. So they're including new gestures that allow for better selection of multiple items, let's say in table views and collection views. So you can drag with multiple fingers on a list of collection of items to select them. I think this is interesting because, you know, I've talked about it before. iOS 12 really didn't get much in terms of real true UI and functionality improvements for the iPad. And it looks like iOS 13 is really going to deliver that. So that's exciting for me. And then a few other features here uh, coming with iOS 13, a redesigned Reminders app that's coming to the Mac as well because, right, Marzipan, the platform that allows it to run on both Mac and iOS and really function and act the same. A new volume heads-up display. Remember when you hit volume and you see that, like, old... It it just looks like that overlay on top of everything that just looks completely out of... I guess I would say out of character, but just isn't consistent with the OS, they're going to update that as well. And then a better, uh, let's say, yay Siri rejection 
for commonly mistaken noises such as laughter and crybabies or sometimes, right, it gets set off and you're like, how did that happen? There's going to be better rejection for that and better multilingual support for keyboards and dictation. So iOS 13, just going down that list of some of the improvements, and there will be others that at least have been discovered right now. I'm, I'm open arms to all that. I love how that sounds. In another report from Gailherm Rambo of 9to5Mac, the report says that Apple is developing a new app that is going to combine Find My iPhone and Find My Friends into a single package. This is according to sources familiar with ongoing testing of the app. Now, in addition to the existing Find My Own features like uh, Lost Mode and the ability to remotely erase a device, the report also claims a this new unified app will include a new Find network feature that allows your Apple devices to be tracked even when they are not connected to a Wi-Fi or cellular network. Uh, My guess is it's got to be similar to just it pinging where it last was. There will be incorporation of existing Find My Friends features, including location, sharing, and location-based notifications. So this will be available on both iOS and macOS, again, as part of Apple's Marzipan cross-platform initiative. And We'll probably see a whole lot more all of this debuting at WWDC 2019, which I believe is happening on um, June the 6th, which is the Monday, which is when the keynote will be happening. So it's allegedly codenamed Green Torch Eternally. Now, the other part of this puzzle is that Gilherm Rambo also is reporting that Apple is working on a new hardware product in the form of a tag that can be attached to any item, similar to Tile. If you look up tile, right, that's that little Bluetooth keychain little square. And, you know, I think about it, it actually, it's actually what looks like is on the back of the rumored 2019 iPhone for the camera patch. That looks like an Apple Watch that, oh, it's like, I'm going to call it the iPhone, the iPhone Pirate, the iPhone 10P, the iPhone XP. It looks like a pirate patch on that thing. It's so ugly. Anyways. The, tie, the tag would be paired to a user's iCloud account and rely on proximity to an iPhone. We know Tile users, they're able to see or get notifications when their device gets too far away from the tag. So let's say you like your keys. I, I honestly probably, I have not purchased a Tile yet, but I think getting a Tile for my car keys would be a big deal and probably pretty important for me now. The report adds that users will also be able to store their contact information in the tag and receive notifications when it is found. Apple may even leverage its hundreds of millions of active devices to create a crowdsource network that helps users find any lost item in tandem with this product, right? You could, if maybe if you're, I think it would be weird to do it with strangers and being able to see it, but maybe at least with family members and friends because that's really where you're most likely going to leave this stuff. That could be good. Although, if you ever lost anything at like a theme park or Disneyland, this might help. Uh, I guess if all of it's happening on device from the secure enclave, then no one's privacy is really being violated. But I got having a, my phone being used as a beacon to find other people's uh, lost items. I don't really care about that. But that's just me. Mac OS 10.15 is said to feature a Luna display-like desktop extension. Now, if you aren't familiar, this allow this current product allows you to use your iPad as a second screen. 
there's a lot of digital artists and people on the go that love this because also, right, the iPad is a touchscreen. So Luna Display has been really popular for that. Apple would be taking this concept and instead using any external display to really act like a monitor connected to your Mac or even an iPad. That's really interesting. That's cool. I mean, we've seen this time and time again. Apple basically takes features or apps from third-party companies that have built a business on it and then just integrates it into their own. And then those companies typically get hurt significantly by this. But hey, it's the Apple way, y'all. So WWDC 2019, correction, everyone. The uh, actual keynote and the first day of the convention will be actually June 3rd. I said June 6th or 7th. Totally wrong. Scratch that. June 3rd, that will be a Monday where we can expect to see more and get more details. But I like what I see so far. This all sounds really cool. Also, it's cool. There was a recent Mac OS 10.14.4 release, an update. And in that update, it appears that Apple has revised the 2018 MacBook Air display brightness to up to 400 nits, previously at 300 nits. Your MacBook Air just got brighter. And the good thing is that the battery life stats for the 2018 MacBook Air remain unchanged on Apple's tech spec pages. So that that's a good Apple. Yeah! But you throw out a good Apple and then... You also have a bad apple or a sad apple or a mad apple or an unhappy apple. Some publishers are unhappy with Apple News Plus launch and the lack of help from Apple. And this is according to a report from Digiday where services or outlets have shared their details on some of the early headaches with the new Apple News Plus platform. Now, this is honestly classic Apple to me, but when they were encouraging publications to sign up and get on board... Apple promised to design Apple promised design resources and templates so that they could customize their content for the Apple News format. But as it turns out, Apple is shutting out some of the smaller publications and no surprise playing favorites with larger publishers. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is inside baseball. Apple has always played favorites from the days of Steve Jobs where uh you only he he loved Walt Mossberg. And that's okay. Walt was dope. Walt's, Walt's kind of like a legend. And he is enjoying a lovely retirement that none of us are a part of. Well, maybe some of you uh, that are listening are re- retired. But Apple plays favorites. They always have. They, they're very strategic about who they align with to review their products. We know this. I know this. So it doesn't surprise me that not all publishers are treated equal. It never happens. In the report that says a smaller select group of publishers, they were enjoy- invited to join a private Slack channel where they could connect with Apple more directly, a move that got other sources and other publishers pretty much pissed off because they're playing favorites, right? If you're maybe a top 20 publisher and you can get direct access and a link to Apple to ask any questions on a Slack channel and other publishers aren't a part of it, yeah, That sucks. The quote says, it always seems to be good for the big guys, but not for the rest of us. And I don't expect Apple to serve everyone, but that net has to be a little broader, especially with Apple News Plus, if you were luring them in with the promise of working closely with them, and now it's not really happening. Yeah, uh, that's a bad Apple. Gotcha. 
maybe not a bad apple, but a funny story coming out of BuzzFeed News just talking about how tech has changed the way we live, but also just kind of the social norms. The title of the article is called People Wearing AirPods Are Making Things Awkward for Everyone Else. We know AirPods have taken off. Obviously, you see a lot of people wear them. And I'm always, it's always weird to me. And I've started seeing this more and more, not when they first came out, but now specifically because a lot of people have them. There's a type of user that keeps in their AirPods all the time, even when they're not using them. Uh, it doesn't look like they're even listening to music, quite honestly. They they just have them on the whole time. So yeah, unlike traditional uh, headphones, you can kind of keep them on in your ears, but people say it's become like this weird social barrier and they're talking about it. They use an example of a barbershop in San Francisco where, you know, barbershops have kind of been one of those places where people socialize and talk. It becomes a water cooler historically, but now you're having conversations with people about your life from different walks of life because the barbershop brings in everybody. Well, you put in your AirPods and it's just like someone who's on their phone. You're not going to be part of the conversation. You're just like, it's kind of like a leave me alone. Don't talk to me sign. And that's okay. I mean, people do that in Lyfts and Ubers, but it can be kind of different when now you see a person, maybe you want to just even have small talk with them. And it's a situation that has normally historically been a place for small talk, not happening anymore. They were also talking about how some people had complimented someone on their, what they were wearing or their hair. And then they realized the person didn't even hear it because that person was wearing AirPods. They're like, oh, did you say something? Uh, the other one is if you search, I we don't know how much is actually happening because this is just like, I think this is a silly article that amplified it. But according to this report, there are some people that are claiming that their AirPods are staying in during sex. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Come on. Uh, if you search for, don't search for this, AirPods plus sex on Twitter, it will turn up many similar tweets. Uh, we do not here on the Apple Bits XL condone the use of AirPods during sex. For the record, in case in case you uh, needed that to be clear. All right. Also, in a feel-good story, Apple is donating to Notre Dame in the rebuilding efforts after that historic cathedral was damaged in a fire in Paris. Uh, the images were just sad. People were gutted, and it also showed... Not only is this an iconic building, but I think the love of art and the creation of structures and how we want these beautiful things to remain intact. There's so many memories and people have gone to visit. I've never visited it, so I don't have that same emotional attachment. But obviously, if there was a, a structure like what would be equally as important to me, the Apple Store in San Francisco. Yeah, that would be it. No, it's not that it. Come on. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, Tim Cook put out a statement and said, we are heartbroken for the French people and those around the world for whom Notre Dame is a symbol of hope. Relieved that everyone is safe. Apple will be donating to the rebuilding efforts to help restore Notre Dame's precious heritage for future generations. Cook did not indicate how much Apple will be donating to the efforts, but less than 24 hours after the fire, multiple French billionaires and other companies they have already pledged over $450 million to help rebuild the Notre Dame Cathedral, which is amazing. So, you know, I just hope that the hunchback got out. That's, that's most important for me. But 
obviously, look, no lives were actually lost in the fire. Uh, at least one responder was injured. So I'm not trying to make light of that, but um, it's it's good to know that people were actually safe because that, that fire was intense, but just blessings all around for that. All right, it's time to take your calls. We love hearing from you. Remember to call the show at 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295 or... Send in a voice memo, memo, can I even talk? Send in a voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com, applebits with a Z, show at gmail.com, and you guys and gals make this show what it is, so love hearing from you. Let's start off with a call all the way from down under. Hey, Brian, it's Burham here from Melbourne. Big fan of yours, Patreon member. I've been following you for a long time, so keep up the great work. I wanted to get your take on series shortcuts, I've uh, been meaning to get into this and engineer some of the ideas I've got for Series Shortcuts and want to see if you've had any success with this. I know Series being an area of Apple that you keep bashing on for obvious reasons, especially comparing it to Google Assist and Alexa, but just want to get your take on Series Shortcuts. Also, with the Galaxy Fold that's come out, uh, we've seen some new users already experiencing issues a couple of days in with the screen flickering and half the screen working, half the screen not working. And we might even have a few more by the time this podcast comes out. So it's interesting. Good on Samsung for the innovation. I don't think we've had innovation like this come out into the tech space probably since the first iPhone. Good on them, but you'd rather these things take their time and come out when they're right. And we'll see what Apple does. Keep up the good work. Love it all. Thanks, Brian. All right, Burham, uh, just want to say thank you so much for supporting me. Uh, you know, everyone that supports this on Patreon, you're allowing me to stay in the game and just I'm so grateful and continue to be. So for people that are listening that haven't, um, I still do need your support, but patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can support this show starting at $2 a month and you can go higher, $5, $10, $25. It's, there's a rewards and cool things that come with it. But Burham, uh, let's just get to your first question. Siri Shortcuts. I think the biggest kind of barrier with Siri shortcuts right now is that you have to download an app to do it. I've played around with it. I've created some shortcuts. I think my biggest thing is that I haven't had the time to really engineer super custom ones from scratch. And the ones that they showed me, things like, okay, uh, coming home from work or going to work, getting the directions and the distance and that, and then associating a playlist to that. I think that is super helpful, but I don't... Mm, uh, I don't think that I want the same kind of automated thing to play every day. So if it's just getting directions, you can kind of do that through Siri already. The, it's it's good. It's good-ish. I think it makes Siri better. But I think if you ask around, Siri shortcuts has not changed the perception of Siri. And you don't see many people ranting and raving about. But I would love to hear from our community and our audience. Are you actually using Siri shortcuts on a daily basis? How is it setting up all the different shortcuts you created? Do you like it and do you still use it? I want to know, guys and gals, you know you can call this show 833-888-ABXL or just send me a voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. Now, Burham, for your second part of the question, the Samsung Galaxy Fold, I think it's obviously a bummer that it's having issues. I think that you're going to have two sides of the coin, people that want to see it fail because they're such hardcore Apple fanboys, which is not the attitude to take when a company is making a big, huge leap in innovation. 
You're also going to have people say, hey, that's why you should wait till it's ready to come out, like you pointed out. Like, you're going to have those people that just just going to be like, Apple always does it when it's finally ready. Uh, not necessarily true, but yes, typically, historically, um, before the past few years, Apple has been a company that does bring out a more polished product. I'm bummed about the Fold having these issues right out of the gates. They will fix it. We talked about it earlier on the call with Gil. If anyone's going to pound through this, it's going to be Samsung. But we need to celebrate and reward innovation. That's why we're all here. That's why we all love this. That's why we also come down hard on Apple when they do not innovate at the pace they used to or are completely behind their competitors because that is not the Apple that we knew. I'm not going to say no because they're a different company now. So Samsung Galaxy Fold is quite honestly a pioneer. It doesn't always pay off to be a pioneer. Sometimes it does. But my hunch when you read some of the impressions that people got is that this foldable concept, as long as the technology is able to hold up, it's not going to go away. It is way too high price right now, but it's something that we're going to end up seeing evolve, be better, get better, and become a tool in our life. That's, that's just what I think. So there you go. All right, let's check out our second call coming to us about the HomePod. Hi, Brian. This is Alicia from Ohio. First time caller, long time listener. I was wondering about if there if there are any updates to the HomePod coming in the next year or so. I've been thinking about getting a HomePod and I haven't heard any news about uh, HomePod 2 or HomePod Mini. And with all the recent articles, you know, this year and last year about privacy concerns with Google Home and uh, Amazon Alexa, just wondering if... Uh, HomePod would be a better option, and if uh, it's a new one is coming out sometime within the next year. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for calling in, Alethea. Appreciate it, and got to show love to our ladies that are calling in now. I love that. Uh, so here's the thing: we don't know any new software updates coming to the HomePod. Obviously, the way it gets better instantly is via Siri getting revamped. I don't, from all indications. I don't think we're going to see a completely new revamp Siri at WWDC 2019 in June. I think we'll see them add a few new bells and whistles, but not a completely revamped Siri like what we expected to do. Will it even be able to hand multiple queries? And what I mean by that, can it do two things at once where I can talk to a Google Home or an Amazon Echo and basically say, hey, turn off the lights here and turn off the lights there in one sentence or turn off the lights here and turn on the TV there. You can't do that with the HomePod. The biggest stuff they did was really back in September when they added the ability to take phone calls. Uh, it was an improved like way to search for lyrics in the software update. There were kind of little things like that. You could create multiple timers finally. So And ping your iPhone if, to kind of find them around your house. That was all done in September. In January, they just had basically some bug fixes and support for other languages or better support for other languages for the HomePod. So look, it's it's ripe for some improvements, but the biggest improvement has to be Siri. That's out of the way. I don't know what other real major bells and whistles they're going to bring. The other limiting thing is that it needs more support with smart home devices. I do believe in the next year they will release a cheaper HomePod. And I think right now it's still for me too early to get one. It's not a polished enough product. It has a long ways to go to really be better. And if you don't need one, I would just say hold off right now. That's that's still where I stand with that Alethea. So 
Hopefully that helps you a lot. Um, but WWDC will be telling and give us a little insight of what their plan is to do with that product moving forward. All right, next up, my man, Matt. Hey, Brian, this is Matt from Wilmington, Ohio. Uh, I just wanted to weigh in kind of on the new product release things from Apple. Uh, I watched the keynotes. The biggest applause that anything receives at a keynote is when Tim Cook says, and it's available today. And man, I just got to say, I really think Apple needs to stop announcing things to come. Just save them till they're ready. And when they're ready, drop it on those keynotes. The crowd will go wild. More phones will sell. More services will sell. All that good stuff. So, you know, I'm in the ecosystem. I use all their products. I, I, I love their products, really. But it's getting frustrating, you know, watching a keynote for a service that will come out next year or a product that will never eventually come out at all. So I, I think they would really just be better served if they could focus, get their uh, get their service ready, and when it's ready, announce it to the world and have it be available to go. Thanks, man. Love the show. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, I think, what, like you said, do it when it's ready, baby. Do it when it's ready and innovate. Let's innovate. That's what we need. All right, thanks for the call, Matt. This next call, I want you to bear with it. It's our buddy, Ted He's calling from Jacksonville, and I'm pretty sure he's on the highway. In fact, he noted on his voice memo he's in North Carolina's Highway 210. So let's show some love for Ted. How's it going, Brian? This is Ted from Jacksonville, North Carolina. First off, I'd like to say I really enjoy the podcast and the content you bring pertaining to Apple. And also you sprinkle in some Android news, which I really appreciate. My question is how? My question is, how do I get out of this ecosystem? <laughs> I mean... I love the iPhone and what it does. It's easy. Um, the ecosystem, of course. My wife, my daughter got one. My daughter, she'll be 15, so she's one of the teenagers, 83% of the teenagers with an iPhone, you know. But it's like, for everyday use, the iPhone is perfect. You know what I mean? But I just got a feeling, you know, the Samsung S10, the S10 Plus came out. I just feel like it offers so much more for a $1,000 price point, you know, sleek um, and offer stuff and then of course the iPhone comes out the year later with it and of course the iPhone the Apple usually makes it a little bit better so I get it but then you know I'm thinking okay iPhone 11's coming up and of course we all know it's gonna be the same old phone man okay I, I it's like I wanted to play the whole thing it's longer but that car noise can be like a little little overwhelming but Ted's basically in the same dilemma like what am I gonna do am I gonna get a Galaxy or am I get an iPhone Stay tuned. I think we're going to learn a lot about iOS 13 at June, and that will kind of give us hints into what to expect for September, as well as if iOS 13 doesn't impress us enough, that's going to be a problem. But it's all wait and see right now, and all of us are blessed to have these crazy phones in our pockets. We can wait till September to make a final decision. I just wouldn't jump to any conclusions until you're really ready, like really really ready. And I just want to throw this one in because Sonny has contributed to the show and some of my content and he just want to send a little nice note. Hey Brian, it's Sonny. Just want to let you know that you're doing an amazing job of your YouTube channel and I look forward to seeing more videos from you. All right. Like I told you, it was short and sweet, but I, again, I just need to say thank you. Thank you so much for all of your support and I continue to keep on growing and adding new bells and whistles and uh, I got some things shaken as always, but it just takes time to ramp up we're almost at year one literally almost been doing this for a year independently and uh, having a blast 
with this ride and this journey. So thank you for allowing me to continue to do it. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Remember, you can support the Apple Bite at patreon.com slash Tong. Also a reminder, nothing but love to our platinum Apple supporters, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatikar. Thank you so much. That's the $100 level, and we have a bunch of little benefits and perks along the way. And thank you, everyone. If you can and you can't contribute right now financially, put in a five-star review. Share it with your friends. I think we're getting close to 800 reviews, like five-star reviews. It's kind of cray-cray. So there you have it, everybody. Be safe, take care, enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you next week for the Applebits XL, baby. Take care, all right? Peace. Peace.